1: you know, these things, yes, there are scams and there are abuses of these things. Yeah. Like what we're talking about too. There's like, there's people that abuse every message you could preach in the Bible. They don't just abuse the prosperity message. They abuse the healing message. They abuse the salvation message. Any message that can be preached properly yeah. can also be abused. But the stupid thing people do is that when they see an abuse, they just start to throw the whole message out, <laughs> which is ridiculous. There is sound doctrine. There is something the Bible actually teaches. And that's why today we want to take you through because uh, this is not only going to be your year of blessings, but we're believing that March will be filled with miracles. And so I want you to set your faith, but I want you to take notes because I want to give you uh, 11 biblical reasons why God wants you to be blessed. And by the time you come out of this, and by the way, if you've not had a chance to do so, We did an entire course on this in Miracle Word University on understanding divine prosperity and divine prosperity is different than natural prosperity. It's different than, you know, man's wealth, man's riches. And so if you've not gotten a chance to go and check out the uh, divine prosperity course in Miracle Word U, the information's on the screen. It would help you a ton, a ton. Uh, So it'll be good, but let's jump in. with the time we have, we can try to get through all 11 of these, but 11, yeah. 11 biblical reasons why God
0: wants you to be blessed. Yeah, number one, um, I think a lot of times when people preach prosperity or blessing, they kind of make it seem very um, transactional with God. And I'll look in the right camera here. But, <laughs> um, and not that God is a, the God of. Uh, Cause and effect that he has a promise for you, but you have to do something in order to attain it for yourself But number one the number one reason I think it's very important to understand why God wants his people his children blessed is Simply because he loves you. That's right. God loves his children I'm not a father, but I know Teddy is but with little Teddy when he buys toys For his son he doesn't say well teddy i want you to know something i'm going to buy you these toys that i know you want but the only reason i'm going to do it is because i want you to bless other kids in the neighborhood right that's right i I only want to bless you teddy because it's not about that i love you my son but it's about i want you to bless all the other kids in the neighborhood (laughs) And i want you to take all your toys the extra ones you have and hand them out to your next door neighbor and, because I'm only blessing you so that I can get the blessing through you to other kids that are in the neighborhood.
1: Can you imagine how crazy that would be like during a Christmas morning? Like, the, yes, I bought these, but they're not just for you. If I can get it to you, through if I can get it through you, I can get it to you. I want you to know that, kids, right. that this morning. If I can get it through you, I can get it to you. Yeah,
0: that's just an insane thought. So, <laughs> But in all seriousness, the number one reason why God wants you blessed He He loves you. He loves you as his own child. (laughs) And um, my parents never did that to me, uh, and so I'm glad about that. But where can we find that in the Bible? It's a very famous scripture, but when Jesus was teaching the disciples in Matthew chapter 7, he says in verse 7 in the ESV, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. For which one of you, if his son asked him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those that ask Him? And so God doesn't desire for His children to be in lack, just like an earthly father or an earthly mother wouldn't want their children to not have gifts on Christmas morning or not have clothes on their back or not have food to eat. Uh, every day. God, in a much greater sense, has a much better desire or a much greater desire to do the same thing for us as his children, as Jesus Christ made that available to us. And so, number one, a very simple reason why God wants you blessed. But I think it's very important for this to be the first one, I do too. Because if you don't understand that thing first, then everything else can feel very, like I, I use the word transactional, but it's like You have to earn it. You have to prove it. And not that there's things that God doesn't require. God obviously requires our obedience in order to be blessed. What I'm trying to say is God loves you and God wants you to succeed. God wants you to do well. Right. And it's as simple as that. Well, you
1: look at that passage that you read, Matthew 7, uh, and it's important to understand he's not talking about spiritual things. Yeah. He's talking about natural things. You know, he's talking about the things in, in the, uh, in the realm of care that a father does for his children. He's talking about dinner, you know, Yeah. if he wants a fish, if he wants a loaf of bread, he's not talking about spiritual things. He's talking about taking care of his children. Right. And he said, how much more does your heavenly father give good gifts? Uh, if you go on before that and you read what, uh, Jesus is teaching in the sixth chapter, um, he talks about, uh, how much God takes care of, Uh, of his children in the same way. You know, that's where we get the famous verse that everybody loves to quote, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added. But what things are added, he he talks about what things the heathen are worried about. What will we eat? What will we wear? Where will we live? Where will we sleep? Yes. And Jesus is teaching, don't worry about those things. Those are the things heathen worry about. But if you're a child of God, then if he'll take care of the lilies in the field, If he'll take care of the birds in the air, how much more will he take care of you? And then the very next chapter, of course, Jesus is teaching about the love of of the Father. And the fact that his love for you is the baseline, it's the foundation as to why he blesses you. You know, I I appreciated your dad on this because your dad used to teach this when everybody was going so hard on all these other things, and it was especially in the 90s, early 1000s when it became you know, it was catchphrases. They became like heavy duty catchphrases, where everybody was just like spouting them off all the time. You know, I'm blessed to be a blessing, you know, and, and that's all true. You know, we are blessed to be a blessing and yeah. all those things, but your dad stepped down and would start to preach on the fact that the number one reason God blesses you is because he loves you. Absolutely. That's, that's why he blesses you. He blesses you because he loves you. And you start to realize that when you have children, because, like, as you said, I, I laugh because I think it would be ridiculous of me to to do all those things for. Now it makes me happy, yeah, to see my kids blessing other kids. Right, it shows that they're learning the principles of generosity and blessing. Right, but that's not why I bless them. Right, I bless them, but see, see, like there's a difference. I train them, and I bless them. Mm-hmm. So the training is the thing that is supposed to set them in position to understand the system. Mm-hmm right? But the blessings for them, right? The blessings for them, the training is the thing that gives us the system. It's his word that teaches us how to live with the blessing, Mm -hmm. but it's his love. That is the foundational reason for his blessing. Yeah. And, um, I think that that's important, but I would bring this up that we talked about this privately, um, that God doesn't love everybody the same. And that blows people's minds to hear it, but that's why I quote it so often on the broadcast so that people know what I mean by that. Because yes, he loved the whole world and that's why he gave Jesus. But after the giving of Christ, um, you can see even from the teaching of Jesus that not everybody is loved the same, nor is everybody treated the same in the kingdom. And in John 14, 21, the Bible says, Jesus puts parameters On not only the love of God, but his love. And he says, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him. And catch this part and manifest myself to him. Mm -hmm. So you know, I quote that so much to you because I want you to recognize God's not a socialist, He's not a communist. It's not about the equal distribution of wealth. As James taught, draw near unto God and he will draw near unto you. We always take the first step in dedication toward God. Yeah. Right. We must believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder of who? Those that diligently seek him. Gina, that's John, gospel of John chapter 14 and verse 21. So he's looking for people who seek him. And when we seek him, draw near unto God, he'll draw near unto you. That's what John 14, 21 is actually speaking about. It's saying that you draw near to him by keeping his commandments, by obeying his word. And when you do, he draws near to you and then God loves you. Christ loves you and manifests his power to you. And that's key. Absolutely. Is that his love or how he manifests his love to us is based upon how we react to his instructions love you landon
0: absolutely and then i want to show you this in psalm 23 just this came to me while, while teddy was talking but um something my father also taught and i and i think it's very powerful but in psalm 23 in verse 2 it says he makes me he makes me lie down in green pastures but yeah. then you keep reading and then it says he leads me beside still water so i think with the blessing of god god's intention is at first A lot of times, God will do things for a new believer or a new Christian that really aren't merit-based at all, but then what he really wants to do is through that blessing, through that love, through that gift he gives, is eventually gets to a point where no longer is he making you do something, but now it becomes a leading. So at first, he makes them lie down, but then he leads them beside the still waters. And so like you were teaching or telling the example of your son, that it does bless you. You love to see that. Teddy's learning to give and share and bless other people and things like that. But that's not the original reason why you blessed him. Mm -hmm. It was because you loved him. And so I think God works in a very similar way where he blesses us at first because he loves us. That's the number one reason why he blesses us. But God's intention is to teach us through that blessing that eventually he doesn't have to make us do anything. Eventually we want to do something because we understand that once we obey the Lord, there's a blessing waiting on the other side. From it goes from a making to a leading, and I would say that as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because you have to remember, people mature in Christ. Yes. So not everybody starts at the same level, right? Yeah. And God does have mercy on people. God does show mercy on people as they're learning. Yeah. You know, as they're learning, not every, It's like it's like my, uh, you know, my children as they're growing, I can't hold them to a high standard. Uh, Yet for things they haven't even learned. Yeah. You know, so I can't be like, how can you, you know, It's like, Teddy's like five years old. I can be like, how can you not tie your shoes? You don't know how to tie your shoes? What's your problem? Right. You know, it's like, no, he's learning. He's growing. He's just a little boy. Yeah. You know, I'm not mad at him because he doesn't have a driver's license. But if he
0: was 23, it might be an
1: issue. If he was 23, (laughs) then he should start to know how to tie his shoes. But, like, you know, I can't be mad at him because he doesn't have a driver's license. Right. I can't be mad at him because he doesn't work a job. Yeah. I can't be mad at him because he can't tie his shoes. He's right. a little boy, he's learning. He's learning. And so the Lord does that. Not everybody who first gets saved is fully discipled. And so they don't know, they're not mature in the faith yet. And so the Lord shows mercy on people and he'll help them along. Yeah. You know, he'll help them along as they're uh, trying, just like uh, when, when a, a baby is, is born. We put them in a high chair. Well, why do why do we put them in a, a high chair like that where they're kind of locked in? Because they can't even sit up on their own yet fully. Mm-hmm. You know, that we can't trust them to stay in a chair right. at a table. So we put them in a chair that'll help them. Yeah. And then we have, you know, mom or dad will feed them. It's like we don't get mad at, you know, someone's like 18 months. And they're like, how come you can't cut up your own food and cook it on the stove and eat it for yourself? Right. They're still learning. They need help. They need assistance. They're still young. And Paul referenced this. You know, if you think this is just, uh, you know, literally just something that is a natural idea, it's not. Paul referenced this by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians 3. He said that it changed, think about this, it actually changed his ministry. He said, I've, I've adapted my ministry to you Corinthians because you're so immature. Mm-hmm. You're babies in Christ. And he said this, and I'll, and I'll read it to you. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He said, I've actually modified my ministry, but he was getting irritated because there was obviously a growth issue in the church. Mm-hmm. He said, verse, uh, chapter 3 and verse 1, I, brothers, couldn't even address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. And so it's all right to start that way. It's not all right to stay that way. Verse 2, I fed you with milk, not solid food for you weren't ready for it. And even now you're not ready. He said for, you're still of the flesh. So now he's kind of rebuking them for it. Yeah. At first it was cool because they'd just been saved. They're converted. The church has begun right. and everything. And he said, I've, I've modified mm-hmm. my ministry to give you milk because it's what you needed at that time. And it, but now he's rebuking them because you've stayed in that place. Mm-hmm. You've stayed in that place. And you shouldn't have. Can we not move on to the more, uh, the more, uh, the deeper things of Christ? Yes. Right. But notice that he, God, God was having grace on them. God was showing them mercy. Yeah. You're young. You're not developed yet. You don't have a lot of faith. You, you're not, you've not been discipled. So let's start you at this place. Right. But look at this here. Here's something that'll show you. And this is where Paul had to deal with them. This is proof from scripture. Here's a church that. God still had mercy on them and used them even though they were immature. What, how does Paul start the first letter to the Corinthians? He said, actually, listen, listen to this. I'll read you verses four through, um, four through seven or eight. He said, I, I give thanks to, to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given to you in Christ Jesus. Now listen, here's an immature church. Notice what's happening in an immature church that in every way you were enriched in him, in all speech and all knowledge. He's talking about spiritual speech, spiritual knowledge. We know that later because he addresses it in their church services. He said, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you weren't lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was saying like, yes, you're babies. Yes, you've just been saved. Yes, you're still infants, but you have an abundance of spiritual gifts in your church that's why he goes to chapter 14 and starts telling them, hey, you can't all jump up at the same time and give words in tongues. You can't all jump up at the same time and give words in prophecy. Because though you're immature, you have an abundance of spiritual gifts at work in your church. So God was showing them mercy. God was showing them grace. God was using them, even though it was still at an immature place. And that's how God is with believers, is that as you're coming to the knowledge of the truth, being discipled, he'll help you along. Right. He'll feed you when you can't feed yourself. He'll And, and the, the grace and the mercy of God work that way. But then as you grow in knowledge, you grow in responsibility. Yeah, it's like it says, to him that knoweth to do good right, and doeth it not. To or to whom much is given, is much is required. Right. The more knowledge that you have, the more understanding you have, the more is required of you. Right. And that's exactly
0: true. You're exactly right about it. Absolutely. And then number two. You can put this in the comment section. The second reason that God wants you to be blessed is because it gives God joy to give to his children. I want to show you this in Psalm 35 and verse 27 in the ESV. It says this, let those who delight in my righteousness shout for joy and be glad and say forevermore. Great is the Lord who delights in the welfare of his servant.'" who delights in the welfare of his servant. The second reason that God wants you blessed is because it gives God joy to see you walk in abundance and overflow and more than enough. It doesn't bring God joy to see people having to struggle to pay their bills or uh, have to work three jobs and be stressed and be out of the home. It brings God joy to see you have success in whatever you've set your hand to do. God wants you to succeed. And it's something that I think it's very simple to understand from the Bible, but many Christians don't believe it, and they don't live their life with the understanding that God wants me to succeed. God is on my side. And so God doesn't desire for you, and it, I, I differentiated this rec- between number one, love and joy, because those are two different things. First of all, God, yeah, like we said, He wants to bless you because He loves you. But secondly, it brings God joy personally to see you blessed. And again, a lot of these examples can be used in the context of a father and a son. But when you uh, have gifts ready for your children on their birthday or uh, Christmas morning, it probably brings you more joy to watch them open their presents no than, question. For, than for you to open
1: your own. Yeah, I've taught that on the broadcast before that my dad used to tell me that when I was younger. You know, I'd be so excited for Christmas and he'd say, uh, I'd be like, are you excited Dad? You know, presents in a few days? And he'd say, yeah, I'm excited to see you open your presents. Yeah. And I thought that was crazy at the yeah, time, but yeah. now I understand it because having my own children, I see them opening their gifts and I'll sit down, let mine stack up next to my chair right. and then I'll watch them. Cause I want to see every reaction of their face. I want to see how happy they are and they, oh, they got what they want. They're squealing, they're excited. And, um, it brings you joy to bless your children. Cause you're made in the image of God. God takes joy in blessing his children. God takes joy in blessing his servants yes. because remember this, it's also a picture that can be seen by all of how he cares for his children. It shows the goodness of God in the earth. It shows the blessing of God in the earth. When he blesses you abundantly and he's the only one that can take the credit for it. It's part of your testimony of how good God is and can be in someone's life. And so it's not just, yes, it brings him joy, but it also shows his greatness and his goodness
0: on the earth. Uh, for his people. You know, it's a powerful thought to think about too, is that God wants you to be blessed more so often than we want ourselves to be. No blessed. question. <laughs> that, yeah. that God desires for you and I to walk in what we've been given more than we desire it.
1: Yep. That's that, exactly that right. That all
0: God really is looking for is your agreement to say, I agree with God and I'll be blessed. Like the Lord spoke to Job in Job twenty-two twenty-one, mm-hmm. where he said, agree with me and be at peace. And then all shall go well for you. That's right. So really, God is more interested in your blessing than you are. And I think many Christians don't understand that, that God actually is on your side and wants you to succeed more than we personally even want ourselves to succeed.
1: Yeah, no, that's exactly true. And you, you start to see that, like, uh, the reason for that is because people are lacking knowledge about those areas. Yeah. They've been taught for so long that it's wrong to, to be blessed. It's wrong to have more than enough. It's greedy to live that way. Oh, that prosperity gospel is based in greed. It's based in... You'll never hear those people talk about how it's based in God's nature. Right. It's based in greed. Right. No, no, I didn't set up the system. Yeah. I didn't create seed time and harvest. Yeah. I didn't create inheritance. I didn't create these things. God's the one who did it. Right. How can I... How can you be mad at God when he created his own system that we're functioning in? Right. I'm not the one. Uh, who said, "Given it'll be given unto you"? I'm not the one that said he gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater. I'm not the one that said that. Uh, uh, Don't grow weary in well doing. And by the way, that well doing in the context of Galatians is talking about in giving and sowing. Yeah. Don't grow weary in well doing, uh, but can be it can be given to any area of life.
0: God's the one yeah. that created the system. It makes you think, like why when they had the ark and the covenant in their household, why didn't they grow poor and poor? Right. Why why didn't they instead, when God's presence was there, why didn't everything go to ruin and and lack and they had nothing because God was teaching them a lesson about who he was? How come when God blessed Solomon and gave him his request of asking for wisdom, how come instead of growing poor and poor, Solomon became the richest man that ever existed in human history? It makes you wonder, why did God, when he made a covenant with anybody in the Bible... They didn't become poor, but they instead became very, very rich and influential in their day and age. When God made covenant with Abraham, he didn't become more poor. He became more influential, more wealthy and more powerful because it shows the nature of God that when he makes a covenant, riches are established and attached to that covenant that he makes with any single person.
1: Yeah, you see that all the time. I mean, Apostle Paul, in the midst of his uh, bondage, he's a prisoner on his way to jail. Yeah, And like literally after a shipwreck, he can't even be shipwrecked somewhere and and stranded somewhere without people bringing him gifts, without people richly supplying him. It was like, you know, he's he's in chains on his way to Rome and he gets to Malta. And by the time God's done using him there, he's staying in the best house on the island. Mm -hmm. He's eating the best food on the island. And then they're bringing him gifts. Uh, from all over the place, and then richly supplying his ship before they leave again. It's like he couldn't even go anywhere without God taking care of him in that way. Yeah. And God does supply for those that are walking out in, in their obedience. And it's, it's mind-blowing to see that uh, God takes joy in blessing his servants and his children. He yeah. loves to. it's sh- It's part of his nature. As much as God loves saving you, as much as he loves healing you, he also loves blessing you abundantly. And and, uh, and, and causing you to abound.
0: Yeah, and I would say this is well, the third reason. It kind of just connects well together. But the third reason God wants you blessed is because God demands stewardship and multiplication. And I think many times you think, well, God wants me to be blessed just so I can um, have enough, which He does want you to have enough, but also the impact of your life will be directly proportionate to the blessing that's attached to your life. If you have a big destiny in God, which I believe many of you do, you have to have a big provision that comes alongside that destiny to make it happen. You know, I think it's very interesting, Teddy. Do you know the ministry that takes in, till this day, the most money on a per year basis? It was surprising to me. It's actually Billy Graham's ministry. Oh, yeah, and he's been gone. And he's but... been gone for years. But the reason is because the impact of his life was so great that even though he wasn't technically a prosperity preacher really in any sense, the impact and the greatness of what he did in his life and ministry, there had to be the provision that came alongside in order to supply what he was called to do. Yep. If you want to have big impact, you have to have big blessing. Right. That's true. Someone has to pay the bill. If I'm going to travel the world one day, if I'm going to reach a a nation for Christ, it's going to take a financial backing in order to accomplish that purpose. And so God, he wants you to have great impact. And so in order to do that, God will bless you in order to make that thing possible and come to pass.
1: Yeah, no question about it. God does uh, demand stewardship and multiplication because this is, now think about it. If God is the supplier of every blessing, he looks at his servants and his children as if to see, when i supply this blessing i always go back to matthew 25 because to me it's the foundational principle for all blessing not just financial but every even spiritual blessing that's delegated to you when i bless my servants yeah what are they going to actually accomplish with what i put in their hand yeah is it worth me even giving them anything and it's not that god won't give you a chance in fact if you read matthew 25 That was that lazy servant's second chance, at least. Yeah. Because people think God just, or the master in the story, they think that he just picked randomly how much money he was going to give each servant. But if you study it, it doesn't say that they randomly got it. It was based upon their previous abilities. Yeah. Which means the reason the one got five is because in the past, he'd shown himself to be a faithful servant. Hmm. That's why he got five in that instance. The one who got two Showed himself to be faithful, but not as faithful as the one who got five. Yeah. And the one who got one, you understand. And when the master comes back, notice, if it is the way most Christians think it should be, equal distribution of blessing and wealth, yeah. then God would have just equally put all of those talents between the three servants. But he didn't. Yeah. He actually took the one away from the lazy and wicked servant. Right. And added it to the one who had 10 and said that principle that still blows Christians minds away today. To him that has more will be given. Yeah. But even but and even what he do, uh, and the what and what the one who's unfaithful does have, even that will be taken away from him. Right. So that shows you that God values uh, faithfulness really above any other any other thing. And and, and, and Gina, and, I, I would I would say this because this has become like one of those catchphrases. You know, we talk about favor isn't fair. In one sense that's true, because if you were to look from the world's perspective, that that phrase would be true, for example, if you worked a job and you were like a Holy Ghost filled Christian that was a tither and a giver, which we've seen this testimony many times, and when it was time for promotion, the boss comes through and sees you and for some reason chooses you over the others, even though they have more seniority and they have more experience. For some reason, you get chosen and raised up into that position of favor. In that sense, Gina, it's true. Because others may look at you and say, well, that's not fair. I've worked here longer. Right. I have more experience. <clears throat> I know more people at the job. I can't understand. In that, in that way, it's it's true. It's not fair when people see it from that perspective. But did you ever realize that if you look at it from the Christian perspective, favor is very fair. Because it is, it is us responding to a system God created. Notice, God has prerequisites for his favor, right? Prerequisites for his blessing. So faithfulness determines favor. That's right, Eric. Faithfulness determines favor. So if, if all God is saying is, just be faithful to do the things I'm asking you to do, and you'll have my favor. You'll have my favor. Well, notice, God will do that for any Christian who's willing to be faithful to his commands, faithful to his instructions. He, he's not going to be unfair in the way he treats your faith or your faithfulness. But in the world's perspective, it looks unfair because we're being raised up by the almighty God. And to them, they can't figure
0: out why, but we know why. Right. We know why. Yeah. And then also God does not make bad investments. That's right. God doesn't invest like maybe I do with Dogecoin and things like that. God actually makes good investments. (laughs) God always makes profit in what he puts into somebody's life. And so in order to be blessed, You have to make yourself a steward that is capable enough to reproduce and multiply the thing that's given. Otherwise, God won't be interested in blessing you because God doesn't want to bless somebody that every time he blesses them, what he gives becomes nothing. And like Teddy was saying in the parable of the talents and the master, um, he gave the most to the one that reproduced the most. God's not a communist. God doesn't give everything to everyone equal no matter what they do. God is a merit-based God and he does not make bad investments. So I have to look at myself and say, maybe the reason I haven't reached that next level of blessing is because I'm not the proper steward that could contain what God would give me if I got what I was asking for. Because you think of people, for instance, that win the lottery. People that win the lottery that have no financial teachings, they have no idea how to uh, save money, how to invest, how to be wise with finances, and even though they get $300 million from the government in the lottery. In two years, they're more broke than they ever were before they even won the lottery because it's not about what you have. It's about how you maintain and steward and multiply what you've been given. And so ask yourself that question, Lord, maybe the reason I don't have that thing I'm believing for is not because um, you don't want to give it to me. It's because if I had it, they would do more damage than good that's true because i don't even have the principles in place or the financial teaching from your word to understand how to keep what you'd want to give to me if i had it and I, i'll show you this in genesis 128 the scripture it says this and god blessed them and god said to them be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it mm-hmm. and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God wants to bless His people because He wants you to operate in dominion while you're on this earth. That's it. God doesn't want you to be a slave to anything. God doesn't want you to be in debt to any man. God wants you to be a financial wonder to show His greatness and His glory in this earth while you're living on this planet. God does not want you to be beneath. God wants you to be above. But it requires on your part a personal stewardship that I'm going to reproduce and multiply what God gives me and I'll show God throughout the entirety of my life that God everything you give me I'll return more everything you put in my hand if you'd ask for it, I'd give it to you without a second thought because I want to be blessed while I'm on this earth and I want to be someone that walks in that dominion every single day of my life
1: absolutely number four God it shows he's the source of our, of our blessing, yes. source of our provision, source of our multiplication. It's a proof that when God blesses us, he wants the world to see and the world to know that he's the source. And when we give God the praise and the glory for that, see, that is part of his name being glorified in the earth. He saved us. He's healed us. He's delivered us. But guess what? He's blessed us. Yes. He's blessed us. You know, Preston makes a good point. If if God as some preachers preach and some Christians believe, if God is so against financial increase and blessing, how come that throughout the Old Testament and throughout the New that God's covenant always came along with financial increase and blessing? Why would he make Abraham rich? Why would he make Isaac rich? Why would he make Jacob rich? Why would he make David rich? Why would he make Joseph rich? Why would he make Solomon rich? New Testament. Why would the New Testament church be so wealthy that they had no needs, the Bible says? You know, the Bible says that when there was a need, that people in the church would just sell what they had. They had extra things to just sell. Right. And what they would get was enough to meet every need. There were no needs in the Christian church. I mean, think about that for a minute. All needs were provided for. It was a church without
0: need. Right, and you think of this, like this example. God is a blesser. That's a fact. That's something we can prove throughout the entire Bible. But let's say, um, for instance, if I was dating someone and they were a different race than me. And by the way, he's not everybody. In case there's anybody, no. uh,
1: anybody looking, <laughs> but, just keep your eyes peeled on this broadcast at a handsome, single, young preacher.
0: Right. But what I'm trying, the example I'm trying to make is, if I was dating. <laughs> If I was a, which I'm not, I haven't had a date in a long time.
1: Hasn't had a date in a very long time. Very, guys. Very long time. Very. It's been a long time. <laughs> and, you know, it's important to have, you know, love. Love is the Bible says love endures forever. That's true. But faith, the, hope and love. That's right. But these three. But the first. Right. the Most
0: important. Right. Love. I'm very red right now. Why can't we be friends? But let's just say if I was. If you were. And she wasn't. But she's not. And and she wasn't my race. What if I said, I love this person, but I don't like that you're not white.
1: Yes, that's racist.
0: That's racist, right? Mm -hmm. But let's say someone says they love God, but when it comes to the blessing part, I don't want any part of that. Right. Why would how would it please God to reject a part of his nature that he wants to perform? Right. It would anger me if I, if someone was like, I love all these other parts about you, but that one thing. I hate it. I hate that. Yeah, I hate that about you. That would be a bad thing for a marriage or a relationship, any sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, either you love all of me mm-hmm. or you love none of me. Right. So it makes no sense to me as a Christian to be like, well, I, I know that God loves me enough to save my soul, that I don't have to go to hell. I love him enough to know that, He doesn't want my body to be sick and in disease, Mm -hmm. that he wants me healed. But when it comes to the other thing he wants to do, he can keep that. It would be like if someone spent all day in a kitchen preparing you a meal and they made you three courses and they spent all this time and you enjoyed the first two. But then you threw the third one into the trash and said, I don't want any part of that. Yeah, it would be disrespectful to not partake of something that someone that loves you prepared for you. Yeah. And if God prepared a blessing for me, it would be disrespectful for me not to sit down at the table and say, Lord, I want to partake of everything that you've prepared. And it would be disrespectful to say, I only love this part of you, and I'm going to treat you like a golden crowd buffet line Right. and take certain parts that I want and leave other things that I don't want yep. because I don't want to be judged. I don't want to be looked at weird. I don't want to be called... Uh, materialistic or image obsessed or um, money hungry and so because of what other people would think I'm gonna reject this part of God's nature I don't think that pleases God at all I think it pleases God to say Lord I agree with you that I will be blessed in my generation that I will be able to provide and give to ministries I'll be able to uh, be successful in my life because you have blessed me, That's not true. because a man blessed me, not because someone says I'm blessed down the street, but because, Lord, I've made a covenant with you. And Father, let it be shown in my life that your hand is on me and I'll never lack any good thing all the days of my life.
1: That's exactly right. And for you, look, Olga's trying to get people to put hearts in the comments if you'd like a date with Preston. she's on your side. I'm
0: trying to like be serious. I know. Come
1: on. And I can't come on guys. People aren't allowing me to do it. Number five. It's a part of your covenant rights, covenant rights. Think about that. You, you touched on it a second ago. If he paid for it, right. If he provided it, if he sent it, it's actually, you know, think about this. Jesus didn't shed his blood three times. No. Shed his blood once paid through his uh, passion, paid for everything he'd ever give you. The Bible says in Ephesians 1, we're blessed with every spiritual uh, blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Every single one. Yes. Every single one. And so there's nothing else that he will deal out to you, but you start to wonder to yourself, if he paid for it, I love how he touched on that. How can you pick and choose and reject vehemently? Like There are people who reject it like it's demonic. I'm serious. They'll talk about it. They'll talk about how wicked it is. They call people that preach that, they call them heretics, false prophets, on their way to hell, You know, because they don't understand the nature of God, which blows my mind. Now, again, I know there are people that abuse the message, but just because there are people that abuse the message, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, which as I've said on the broadcast many times is hilarious because that actually had to happen for that to become a phrase. At some point, someone threw the baby out with the bathroom was water. an
0: example someone saw. They're like, "Wait, I'm not going to do that.
1: I'm not going to throw the." You know? Do you know how the actual origin of that? No. Like in, in in like medieval times, in like one of those great households, the master of the house would bathe first, right. and then all of the uh, women, children, well, they went then sh- the servants, they went and the then water. last was the babies. And the, ba- the the water was so dark you couldn't even like see the baby in the water, so they could throw the water out and the baby would still be in there. Are you serious? Yeah. So you don't want to throw the baby out of the bathwater. That water. sounds like a gross bath. It's a gross bath. How do you even get clean after that? <laughs> but it's true.
0: That's insane.
1: That's not one of the 11 points, but I just wanted to sow that into your spirit. Um, it's part of your covenant rights. G- if Jesus paid for it, why would you reject it? Right. Why would you want to reject anything Jesus gave you? Anything that he provided for you? You have a covenant. As I said, how, does it, how did it happen in all the Old and New Testament? And people want to reject it now, right. as if it's somehow evil mm-hmm. to believe that you have a God that loves you and wants to bless you. You know what really turned my turned my mind on this? I was like, you know, I knew I've always believed it. And I know, I, you know, our families always believed it. And I knew there were people that didn't. Yeah. But you know, when I saw, I was telling you the other day, when, you know, someone who was totally against the prosperity gospel, somebody that was totally against the message of blessing, somebody that was not again that was totally against Pentecost and miracles, signs and wonders. Uh, R.C. Sproul, who was a reformed Calvinist, in his question and answer book, still had to admit that tithing is for today and that God is interested in the financial well-being of his children. It's like, if you've got someone like R.C. Sproul, who was a contemporary of John MacArthur, if you have somebody like him that has to admit in print, yes, God is definitely concerned about the financial well-being of his children. And, you know, how can you... How can you then say, God, that's not for every Christian. That's not for it. Yes, it is. God loves his children. Mm -hmm. God loves his servants. He enjoys blessing them. He enjoys showing his nature in their lives. That's God's nature. It's part of your covenant to be blessed. Think about this. How can God, now you're going to go to Deuteronomy 28, but how can God promise national, national blessing to Israel? Financial blessing national financial blessing to Israel, and then bring us over into a new covenant that's based on, uh, it's a better covenant with better promises that it's based on. Yes. And say, well, you know, God won't bless us if we do the same thing. He was willing to bless an entire nation of people that weren't even saved. Yeah, like what changed? Yeah, they weren't even saved. Right. And we're now, we have the blood of Jesus. Right.
0: and, And he's not willing to do even better with us? It's a crazy thought. Like What changed so much from the old to the new that God's nature changed? It, it doesn't change. The Bible says that God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should change his mind concerning you. And so why would God bless people in the Old Testament and the New Testament say, I'm, I'm going to switch it up. I'm just going to bless you spiritually, but make you poor, make you have to scrape by every dime to show you truly my uh, how much I love you. It, it doesn't make any sense. It's like... God became two different people in the Old and New Covenant. I don't understand how people even come to that conclusion. God does not change. God wants you blessed. God wants you to make great impact. God wants you to have more than enough. God wants you to show people that there is a God and that when you make a covenant with Him, your life is better for it, not worse for it. Exactly. Why would my life be better? Are you telling me? Like these people that preach sometimes are like, well, like... There's always this youth pastor that's like, well, I actually had a division one football scholarship (laughs) and I was going to be in the NFL. I was going to play quarterback and make millions of dollars. But I gave it all up, give it all up to follow Jesus and become a youth pastor and and be in charge of the youth chili cook offs. Yeah. But if I would have just went the other direction, if I just would have partaken in millions, I would have been a millionaire if I just went the way of the world. Are you kidding me? Are you telling me the world can bless me better than my God can bless me? Are you telling me that the government can bless me more than Jehovah Jireh can bless me? My, my God paves the roads in heaven with gold. My God has more than enough. And I, I just can't wrap my brain around how someone can go through their life and think that a way in the world is a better option than a way with God. When I make a covenant with God, He takes me up, He takes me higher, He makes me blessed in the name of Jesus. Everything I need, He'll provide it. And not only that, he'll enter the desire of my heart in the name of Jesus.
1: Number six, blessing is a principle that God established in the earth. Bible says in Genesis chapter eight, as long as the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest touched on this, that it's God's system. It's not my system. I didn't institute seed time and harvest. God did. I didn't institute giving seed to the sower. You know, if God didn't want us blessed, first of all, why would he institute seed time and harvest? And then why would he give seed to the sower if he didn't want a harvest to come to the sower? On right. top of that, get this in your spirit. I teach part of this. I'll, I teach it in depth in the Miracle Word University course. Mm-hmm. Did you ever recognize this from creation? Creation is a lesson about God's nature. Did you ever recognize that God wouldn't even create a covenant man in the earth? until he had already created a plush environment to place him in?
0: Mm,
1: 8.22, Genesis 8.22, Mary Beth. Yes. Did you ever realize that when God's creating the earth, he had to create the world first, all the things in it. Then he created a garden, then made it a plush garden, a fruit-bearing garden, all of these different things. And he would not even create a man until he had a place of extreme blessing to place him. Yes. Because that's God's nature. It's his original intent from creation. Right. He would not even create one man, let alone a race of men, wouldn't even create one man without first creating an environment of abundance. (laughs) And then he placed him right in the middle of it. That's powerful. And so you start to think that it's God's system. I didn't make it. Right. No man
0: came up with this prosperity. God's the one who came up with it. We're just participating in it's it. It's like I heard John say, Abraham wasn't a man from Tulsa in the 1980s.
1: That's exactly right.
0: <laughs> like people think, oh, in the 1980s, this doctrine was created. No, Abraham was blessed and operated in these principles thousands of years ago. Before there was an America. Right. and before so, It's an American gospel, brother. Right. And That's the Bible a- says that before the law was given, the promise was made to Abraham. That's right. And so it wasn't annulled because of some new thing that happened. God established these things far before the law was even given. And so why would I reject something that was never done away with and then also made these men and women of God powerful in their generation to be a blessing in the earth? Why would I reject it? It's it's really hard to even wrap my brain around. Um, And I know a lot of people are already agreeing with this, but it's important to go over why God wants us blessed. And then uh, going further, we're number eight now, correct? Seven, I think. What is number seven? Oh, no, it is number seven. Because... The seventh reason why God wants you blessed is because it's something you can only acquire through expressing your love back to Him. And I use John 3.16 for this. And uh, the principle being that God wants you blessed because in order to receive more blessing, you show your love back to Him by giving back to Him. And so again, it's that principle that God placed in the earth that as you give, God gives more. And you can't beat God giving no matter how hard you try. God is not going to be outdone by any man. And so as you express your love back to God, God expresses it back to you in a greater measure. And then that's the system of God. That as you keep expressing it and giving as you are blessed, then God blesses you more, takes you to the next level. But if you never give, then you'll never operate in it. And so the reason that God wants you to be blessed is because he wants to teach you his principles of Uh, giving. And then also, the Bible says in John 3.16, obviously we know it, for God so loved the world that He gave. And so one thing we understand from the Bible is that one of the purest expressions of love is giving. You can't love anybody or anything without giving to that thing. If I love uh, a person in my marriage, if I don't give or sacrifice things for that person, it's not truly love. And so God wants us to be blessed because... It's something you can only acquire and walk in as you express your love back to him through seed time and harvest and giving and sowing.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely right. The thing that, that, that you start to realize about God is that he's an order based God. Yes. Everything's done in order. And the thing that, you know, people, you know, it's like you almost get this feeling people are out of control. That's how they, they view it. It's like they're, those people are out of control. Right. It's like, no, no, no. we're in his order. It's God's order. He set this system, these parameters are God's order. He does everything in his purpose, in his timing. And people think it's an out of order doctrine. The church is out of order to believe that those Christians are out of order. They're unbalanced. You hear that all the time. They're They're unbalanced. It's God's order. He set the order. You know, just because there's warnings in the Bible about how riches can carry a risk Yes In that men can place their trust in riches rather than in God. Mm-hmm. God didn't even think that was something that was important enough to keep riches back from His covenant men. God doesn't look at it. in fact, if you look at the way Jesus uh, is, is speaking in regards to that, and this is something that I get, a, uh, this is something that I get um, as a, a comment a lot on YouTube, is people, you need to read Matthew chapter 19, and I know they're always referring to the rich young ruler you know, where Jesus said, sell all you have and give it to the poor. And, and the thing is when Jesus then speaks to his disciples after that, remember what he said, it's hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean, now think about this, that doesn't mean it's hard for a rich man to go to heaven. That's not what Jesus was saying. Remember that the, the rich young ruler, uh, was desiring to come and be a part of what Jesus was doing.
0: Yeah.
1: In reality, the, the truth about it, and I've experienced this uh, practically in ministry, is that it's talking more about people who are not yet in the kingdom right. coming into the kingdom because they trust in their riches. Right. They think, I don't have anything wrong in my life. You know, if you have enough money, the Bible even says money answers all things. Mm-hmm. That's why, if you, have you guys ever noticed this, that it, it almost a lot of times takes a crisis in the earth or a crisis in someone's life to push them back to Jesus, yeah. and they realize, like, man, I need the Savior. I need a miracle worker, because when everything's going well, they they live like they don't need him, mm-hmm. and so ever they're cool with just like coasting through life, and then they hit a rock, and they're like, oh man, I need I need to get in church. I need to get back. To, I need Pastor to pray for me, and they recognize it. And what Jesus is more or less teaching is that it's hard for rich people to come into the kingdom of heaven because they feel like they've got everything handled. They don't need right. any help. And it's hard. And the, why do you think the disciples were f- freaked out? Why do you think the, the disciples were freaked out by what Jesus said? Because they turned and they said, well, then who can be saved?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Who then can be saved? Well, b- why do you think they said that? Right. Because it shook them up right. because they had money. They had money. They understood. Right. Well, hold on. If, if if wealthy people can't enter the kingdom, then who can
0: be saved? Yeah, they had fishing businesses. They had things
1: they were they doing. They had money.
0: Yeah.
1: And they, they understood that. And so it's just, it's, it's an interesting thing to, when people misinterpret these things, it's like, if, if you think that was the principle to glean from Matthew 19, how come Jesus never told any other person to sell everything they had and give it to the poor? Right. How come the early church didn't sell everything they had? How come that Peter still had a business and boats and all that after Jesus was
0: dead? Right. Cause it's like our Papa used to say, it's not that he had many things. It was that many things had him. It was about his heart. And so obviously giving, and it's funny because it's actually a misconception that people that believe these kinds of things are materialistic, when in actual fact, I believe it's the opposite. People that don't give are the ones that love their money. People that don't uh, sow in the offering and give their tithe and things like this are the ones that are money hungry. The people, the true prosperity message is not really about Taking and hoarding and and all that you can get. It's about how much God can bless you so that you can be impactful and spread and give to His kingdom. And so it's actually the opposite to me where people say, well, you just preach that because you want to be wealthy, you want to have things. When in actual fact, the people that are most money obsessed and materialistic are the ones that don't give. Because part of the message of what it does is it breaks your heart for the things of the kingdom of God that I would be more excited about. Giving $100,000 one day to a ministry than buying my first house or doing something in the natural. That my desire is to see the kingdom of Jesus Christ expand and see people we'll come to Christ. And if I can be raised up financially to be impactful in that area, then Lord bless me. Lord bless me that I might be a financial wonder in my generation, that, Lord, I can sign one check and pay for someone's crusade, that I can sign one check and pay for something for the ministry and do something impactful. It's about your heart. And so that's what God wants to get across to you by his word when it comes to this topic. Do you think that
1: people are mainly afraid um, to preach that message more because they don't believe it? Or do you think more because they're afraid outside of opinion. what people would think of them if they became that preacher?
0: Absolutely. It's, it's about outside opinion. And we talked about this yesterday in the broadcast about um, you have to shut off outside opinion. Mm-hmm. And, and it's something that people deal with. And we could say over and over again, but people really, you know, they do a lot of things in their life, not because they want to, but because of what other people would say. You know, we live in this generation with social media and Instagram and everyone posting their highlights of their life and everything looks so perfect. And, and really life becomes very miserable, I think, if you live your life that way. Yeah. If you live your life where everything's about what people will think, well, okay, if I move here, what will they say? If I, if I make this decision, what will this person think? And really, who cares? It's a spirit of fear. It's a spirit of fear. And I would rather please God and disappoint every person in my life than do the opposite, please every other person yep. and disappoint God. I fear the Lord more than any man. That's exactly what it comes down to. And when it comes to this message, you have to understand that I'm agreeing with God and I'm disagreeing with any other person that says I should be in lack. Think about how weak you'd
1: have to be to modify the message you preach from the Bible because you think people might not be okay with it. You would have to be very, very weak of, at that point, you become like one of those ministers the Bible talks about where... um, uh, the the people who have itching ears have just accumulated you in. Yeah.
0: like And it's funny that it's only about this topic a lot of times. Oh, well, it's, it's healing, too. And oh, healing P- as well. People won't preach healing. But I've heard my dad say these words like, what if someone was embarrassed to preach the salvation message? Right. What if someone was embarrassed to preach that Jesus died for your and, sins? And some yeah. are. Really? And yeah, some I, I, are because... I, 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 that's true nowadays. Th-
1: think about the fact that some have switched so far over to the grace message, yeah. some to universalism, and almost no no church that's a seeker-sensitive church now would ever touch really the topic of sin. Yeah. So in one
0: sense, they are embarrassed to preach that message. That's true. Like, you put on a, a service now, like a community church, you don't hear one scripture, it's just a guy... We put
1: one on the other night. <laughs> and the thing ran for 15 minutes, and the guy was telling us... Um, Sigmund Freud's thoughts on, yeah, it was like philosophers and yeah, weird stuff. He it was, it was like t- talking about Sigmund Freud and like what he would have thought of this and lo- what, he thought of love and what he thought of. Yeah. And like went on to like and, sang secular songs and they introduced the service with a secular
0: romantic song yeah. and it's
1: just weird. I mean
0: like no lie, like, I don't know what churches are preaching anymore.
1: But, yeah. And so they are, there's many of them that are, uh, uh yeah. afraid to preach all of the basic doctrines, you know? Right. And it's sad.
0: It is sad. But
1: because that's because anything, anything worth talking about is going to have Backlash. a resistance to it. Absolutely. So, you know, uh, preaching proper salvation has a resistance. Yeah. Preaching healing has a resistance. Preaching prosperity has a resistance. Holiness. Holiness. All those things have a pushback to them yes. from the spirit of this world Absolutely. that doesn't want it preached. Yeah. That's why it takes strong men and women who will be willing to release that truth. And not care about what people think about it when they do. Right. You know? You can't care about it. You can't. You have to, as you said, and I've said it many, many, uh, many times, you have to actually uh, seek to please only one person. Yeah. That's why I think the social media generation uh, is so... Uh, in danger because we've been trained in our mind to only put stuff out that people will like
0: and retweet and thumbs up and right. and heart. That's the thought process behind everything someone posts is w- what will the reaction be? how much traction will this get? all that kind of thing and it's very sad. but uh, moving on because I, I did have 11. We have 11 today. I know <laughs> and so we, it is a lot, maybe it should have been less. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> but number eight, or number eight. Right? Uh, what, is the, what is number eight? Because it establishes Him as your only source. Yep. And that will be found in Psalm 121.1. 1. And this is important because the reason that God wants you blessed is because He wants you to understand that it's Him doing the blessing. I'll show you this in Psalm 121. In verse 1, it says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes mm-hmm. from the Lord who made heaven and earth. That's right. And so that's number eight. The blessing establishes him, the Lord, as your only, only source. See, and, and let me
1: let me say this, why that's so important. Because people's like, you know, if you're a Christian, you might hear that and be like, well, of course, he's my only source. Yeah. But here's why it's so important to, to, to say this. Uh, the Bible says in the book of Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 5, Cursed, get this, cursed, cursed yep. is the man who puts his trust in the arm of flesh and in doing so turns his back upon God. So you can't do both things at once. You can't have your trust in men mm-hmm. and your trust in God at the same time. Right. That scripture is saying that if your trust is in men, you've turned your back on God. Yep. And, and the key be- becomes this. It's when you recognize that God is my only source, it goes back to the previous point Then I only care what he thinks. I mm-hmm. only trust in him. I only do what he wants. And right. I don't care what men say about it. Right. But we do that not just with blessing. People do that with healing. Yep. And, and I don't like those kinds of testimonies. You know, I don't like those kind. You know, Carolyn was recently asked to pray that direction for somebody. Mm-hmm. And she refused. You know, she was asked like, will you pray that God will use my medication? Mm-hmm. No, I will not. Because the way that I believe, it, it, it's like, if God, if, what if that did actually happen? Who would even get the glory from that? Right. Would your medication, because the people that are sinners are like, well, I'm sure you did pray over your medication, but medication works. Yeah. You know, they're not going to give God glory. And when God heals you, he doesn't need medication to do it. You know why? If you've got that kind of faith, why not just pray that God will heal you? Right. You know, like why? It's like, I I heard someone like before uh, any vaccines came out, there was someone on television, a preacher that was actually saying, we need to fast and pray that a vaccine is released. Right. It's like, if you've got that much faith, just fast and play, pray for a healing. Right. It doesn't even make sense. And so we, we do that with healing. Like, you know, I just want to give a testimony today that after six rounds of chemotherapy, God healed me.
0: Yeah. It's like, what does that mean? Who gets the glory for that? Right. I remember you, um, I sent you a video. I, I made my first partner video when I was starting out in the ministry. And I sent it over to Teddy. I was like, can you check this out and tell me what you think? And the thing I said in the video was, you know, like, I need your help. You know, I I need your financial support or something like that. (laughs) And you were like, you know, Preston, don't, uh, when you make these partner videos, don't make it sound like you need people's help to do the work of the ministry. Right. And, and you gave me this thought and I never thought of it before. I was just starting out, but you were, you were saying to me, you were like, God is your source Mm -hmm. and people can partner and join that vision to help you. But whether anybody gives or not, you'll be blessed because God's your source and not people.
1: Yeah. So think God will, God will always use people. But that wording always bothers me. Yeah, need. Well, not just that. It's like, you know, the, 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 the wording that like, you know, you read what God spoke to, you know, Paul taught a lot about this. You know, you are a part of God's military. Yeah. And he talks about the fact that the military uh, puts things in your hands.
0: Mm-hmm. You
1: don't go to the, you don't have to go to the military and then pay for your own weapon mm-hmm. when you go there. You don't have to pay for the, go to the military and pay for your own fatigues. Yeah. You don't go to the military and pay for your own housing. Right. You know, they provide all those things cuz you've joined the military. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to like try to it's like, "Oh, where are we headed? Oh, we're going to Dubai. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll I'll try to book a flight to get over there with you guys." Yeah. It's like, "No, they fly you there." Right. You know, everything that they do f- is done for you only because you've attached yourself to that military. Yeah. And when you've attached yourself to that military, All of the things necessary for you to do the work in that military, it's called GI. You know, that's, if you never knew what GI Joe, GI actually stands for general issue. Yeah. Did did you know that? I didn't know that. General issue. So when you go to the, um, for example, if you were to go to the quartermaster to get your weaponry, that they give you a general issue machine gun, a general issue sidearm. You know, these, your fatigues, they're a general issue. Everybody, you get issued You get issued your fatigues. You get issued your weapons. You get issued your, your housing, your food, all that's issued to you. But why? See, because here's the thing, if you're not, do you think I could just roll up to a military base and be like, Hey, I'd like to get one of those machine guns too. No. (laughs) They're not going to be like, like, you know what? He's a good guy. I think I will give him one of these machine guns. (laughs) It's like they're reserved for the people that are in the military. They're reserved that are for people that are a part of what they're doing, their agenda. And in the same way, Paul makes that, you know, no, no soldier is having to provide for his own means when he's doing that work. Right. And the same way, if you're a part of God's army and he's called you to go do his work, remember something that he's the, he's the one that does all the general issues to his soldiers. Yeah. And so I don't care if everyone opposes you and doesn't think you should be doing the work. If God called you to do it and you're a part of his military, he issues you what is needed for you to do what you're called to do. And God's a good
0: boss. That's right. (laughs) God's a good boss. God pays overtime. God will bless you more than the government will bless you. That's for sure. But I get what you're saying. like, God pays for what he orders. God provides for what he's established in the earth. So if there's a purpose on your life, and there is a purpose on your life, God will attach the provision that come alongside your purpose so that you have everything that you need. And so that's number eight, uh, the reason that God wants you blessed. Number nine, moving along because poverty entered the earth through sin and i want to show you this in genesis chapter three this is the ninth reason why god wants you blessed genesis chapter three you have to understand something that there wasn't poverty in the garden of eden right there wasn't poverty when god had a perfect covenant with with man before sin entered it was only that when sin entered it was difficult for adam to till the ground and to reproduce from the ground and so in genesis chapter 3 and verse 17 This is the Lord speaking to Adam after the fall, and he says this. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face or your brow, in other translations, you shall eat bread till the return. Till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken; for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. And so, the ninth reason why God wants you blessed. Is because poverty wasn't in the plan of God in the first place. Poverty wasn't something that God established in the Garden of Eden. It entered by the mistake and the fall of man when sin entered. Then things became difficult. Then the ground became harder to till and to uh, plant into uh, soil. But after Jesus died on the cross, He made those things easier. He established a better way that we can access the provision of God. And so, just like sickness was something that only entered through sin, also poverty and lack and toil and stress that's right. was something that was attached to the fall of mankind.
1: Yeah, everything that the wicked one tries to impose upon God's people, every one of those things. See, that's why you know God hates it so much. Yeah, Because God's never in partnership with sin. Yeah. So if poverty is something that stemmed from sin, which it did, it did. Sickness stem from sin. Yeah. All these things. If God's in partnership with that, then he's truly in partnership with sin. Right. Because, you know, you say, well, you know, because there's preachers that do preach that. Yeah. God will bring you into poverty to teach you a lesson. Right. To make you depend more fully on him, to make you more humble, mm-hmm. you know, all those things. If God's really doing that, then that means he's in partnership with sin. Yeah. That he's, there's part of him that's evil. And, and, and Paul makes this very plain in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, what partnership can there be between Christ and the devil? Right. Between the light and the darkness? And that's why he said between a believer and an unbeliever. It's unequally yoked, and God will never unequally yoke himself with wickedness. Right? So that's the key. Yeah. If he was doing these things to you, as some preachers preach, if he uses as, a, as as an object lesson for your life, he has partnered with sin and the effects of sin. That's right. And that's not what God does absolutely right. Number 10, it allows you as a child of God to
0: bless your generation and it breaks a poverty mentality. That's absolutely right. God wants you to bless you. We've been saying the whole broadcast and, uh, I will show you this in Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 25 and 26, but God wants you to be a blessing to your generation and then break the mentality of poverty. And what is that mentality? Well, the mentality is that there will always be a limited supply. God wants to break the mentality that there's a limited supply. God wants you to understand that there's always more than enough for his children. So I want to read to you uh, Proverbs 11 and begin in verse 25. It says this, whoever brings blessing will be enriched and the one who waters will himself be watered. The people uh, curse him, verse 26, who holds back grain, but a blessing is on the head of him who sells it. And so the 10th reason why God wants you blessed is because he wants you to bless your generation and then break that thing of hoarding, of keeping everything to yourself. He wants you to be to at to a place where you begin to release what's in your hand so that God can bless you and make you a financial wonder in your generation. That's exactly right. Yeah. You are called to be an asset. Yes. Not a liability.
1: And you know, we kind of joked it at the beginning. We're like, you know, blessed to be a blessing. That is true. Mm-hmm. It's just not the primary reason, Right. but it is a reason. It's one of the reasons. It's one of the reasons because God wants to use you. How, like, for example, all these commands we have to bless the poor. Mm-hmm. How could you ever do that? If you didn't even have more than enough for yourself, right? You never, you ever think about that anything. Think about In fact, put this in the comments, anything God asks you to do in his kingdom. You have to have his abundance in order to do it. How could you tithe if you can't even afford to tithe? How could you give offerings on top of your tithe? Which is all offerings are right. Offerings are never part of your tithe. So how could you even tithe? You know, if, if you didn't have more than enough, how could you bless the poor as we are commanded to do care for the poor, care for orphans and widows. How could we even do that if we don't have enough to meet our own needs? That's right. See, so you, you start to realize God's not just interested in meeting our needs. He's interested in taking us into the overflow, into abundance, because we can't even accomplish the things that we're called to do unless we have that abundance at our disposal.
0: That's right.
1: So you have to walk in that kind of a, a generation blessing mentality,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, and stop saying that you can't afford things. Stop saying that you'll never have that or we don't, you know, it's like... It it cracks me up when people talk about things that you know that's really out of their reach, but they don't even understand. They don't even know how much it costs themselves. If you actually penetrated questions about it, well, how how much is it? They don't even know. Don't don't allow yourself to be in that position where you personally have made confessions about your life, your ministry, your business, your family. That that could never happen for us. That's too. That's beyond our. That's beyond our. uh, Ability or we, you know, and I don't talk like that, especially when you know you're in covenant connection with the provider. That's right. There's nothing, especially within your personal purpose, that's outside of your reach. There's nothing. Absolutely. Right. There's
0: nothing. Absolutely right. And then number 11, moving on, getting these like 11 things, but it's <laughs> good. Uh, People need to hear them. number 11. And I think this is one of the most powerful ones because Jesus died for it. Number 11, the 11th reason, the final reason for today, not that these are all 11, but these are 11 from the Bible, because Jesus died for it. One of my favorite scriptures found in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, in verse 9, it says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. The 11th reason for today, the final reason, is because Jesus himself died for it. That's a good enough reason for me. If Jesus gave his life not only to save me from my sin, not only to heal my body from sickness and disease, but to break every single stronghold, and poverty is a stronghold that must be broken. It's not something he desires for you or for me, and it's something that Jesus gave his life up for, that you might be rich and you might have more than enough. That though he himself was rich, Mm -hmm. he humbled himself to poverty, that through his poverty, you and I might become rich. That is your promise from the Bible. Why does God want me blessed? Because Jesus himself, his own son, died and gave his life that we might partake of that blessing. You know, um, when it comes to that
1: understanding, people always have different interpretations. Well, did, did he become poor when he left heaven? Did he become poor on the cross or was he a poor man? You know, that's, I actually was in the middle of writing a, a a book and I, I, um, I kind of paused it because the Lord had me doing other things. Uh, but I thought I could break this down in book form to talk about how it would be impossible for Jesus to have been poor as a man living on the earth. Yeah. You can point to so many things in scripture. I mean, I had, I had them all broken down into chapters explaining how he personally, as a man, could not have been poor right. financially poor, and there's so many things you can point to in the scripture. So we know. It be, I'll just take for, for an understanding that you guys like have that in your spirit. So it's not that he was poor on the earth. Of course, you could you could make the argument uh, he left the riches of heaven mm-hmm. and came to the earth and gave up his uh, his his divinity in that way, being in heaven and to, to come to a, a fleshly body. Well, of course. The earth compared to heaven, you know, is giving up riches, no question. (laughs) But if he was wealthy on the earth, if he had more than enough, which you can prove from Scripture that he did, Mm -hmm. then obviously when he went to the cross, he didn't just become sin. He carried your sickness and your pain, and he carried your poverty. All the things that entered in, remember this, as we said a moment ago, all of these things entered into the world through sin, So all of them had to be defeated when sin was defeated, Mm -hmm. right? So sickness, because it entered the world through sin, it had to be destroyed when sin was destroyed. That's right. If poverty entered into the world when sin entered into the world, then it had to be destroyed when sin was destroyed. These things, Jesus was destroying the kingdom of darkness and taking authority over the wickedness that was in this earth. And when he went to the cross... It wasn't for one thing. Yeah, It was for all, not just sin, but the ramifications of sin. The things that come along with sin. What about brokenness? You know, one of the things T.L. Osborne preached that always blew my mind was that he was always blown away that when he would go to these third world nations and people would get saved, he said to his surprise, the first thing they would recover when they came back the next night or whatever is their dignity came back. He said, I never could, he said, that blew my mind when he saw for the first time that these are people that like, you go to these places where he would go, especially back then, and you'd see people living like animals just to survive. And he said, but when they would get saved and they'd come back, you'd see them come back with a a dignity about life. They were no longer animals trying to survive, but they became children of God. (laughs) And if you read any of T.L. Osborne's books, like The Good Life or any of those, he talks about how God restores dignity back to man. After you get saved. And then he was talking, and then Lester Sumrall talked about when he would travel to other places in the world where there was extreme poverty. He said it always blew his mind that places that, yeah, that's where I was going, AJ, is that places where they didn't even know it was wrong to walk around naked and with no clothes on, those tribes in the villages that would just live naked. He said they would he he wouldn't even talk about it in his preaching he would just preach the gospel they'd get saved he said but when they'd come back to the service the next night they'd come back with clothes on because (laughs) there was something that brought dignity back and restored dignity back to their life that how sin robs you of your dignity it robs you of your humanity yeah and so all of these things that were ramifications of sin were destroyed when christ shed his blood at the cross and when you come into the kingdom of god you take part you say, well, if Christ destroyed poverty, then how come there's still poverty in the world? Just for the same reason there's still sin in the world. Same reason there's still sickness in the world. It didn't erase it. it, it provided for a way out of it. Yeah. And many times people do not take the route, even Christians, because they're operating on partial
0: truth. Right. Partial truth. Right. Just because something's available to everyone doesn't mean everyone receives it. The Bible says that. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But guess what? Hell will still be full of people because you have to accept the work of Christ Jesus to make it to heaven. Yeah. And so just because something's available to you does not mean you have it. You have to sign your name on that dotted line and say, I receive my full inheritance that Christ purchased for me. And so today, you know, these reasons that we gave you, um, they're all good reasons, but you have to make that decision yourself that says, I am blessed. I choose it. I accept it. I'm partaking of that thing that God made available for me. I'll never lack. I'll never be without things that I need. Everything I need, my Lord God will provide it as I enter into his financial system, as I live righteously, as I do what I'm called to do. The Lord will always provide more than enough for what I need in my life, in my destiny, all the days of my life. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. And and when...
1: And I love this cause I'll use this verse all the time. First John three, eight, yeah. that when the son of God was manifested, he came, I always, I always call it the two sides of the coin. John 10, 10 is one side, but first John three, eight is the other side. Mm-hmm. He came to give you life and that more abundantly. But in order to give you life more abundantly, the flip side had to also be true. He came to destroy the works of the devil. He can't give you something without first destroying the thing that's holding it back. So how could he give you righteousness without destroying the power of sin? How could he give you healing without destroying the power of sickness? How could he give you blessing without destroying the power of poverty? And so the one who came to give you life more abundantly is the one who also destroyed the kingdom of darkness. The son of God was made manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. I love that And so that's much. the key. Yeah. He destroys the works of the or devil. Or you
0: think of like Israel. He had to destroy
1: Egypt. That's right.
0: To get Israel set free. That's
1: exactly right. Yeah. Right in the midst of all that. And that notice that he used bondage to show us that. Yeah. Because poverty is a bondage. Mm-hmm. Sickness is a bondage. De- things that you need deliverance from, they become a bondage. Yeah. You know, people feel in bondage to... Uh, extreme depression and anxiety—it feels like a bondage. It holds you in a prison. Yeah, you know, and it affects your life in that way. It holds you captive. Mm-hmm. And Jesus Christ destroyed the bondage. He destroyed the works of the devil, and made a way out for every person that receives the grace of salvation. Yes, and that's the key. That's why it's so powerful to understand. I truly believe that people that don't believe that God wants them to prosper, that God wants them to be blessed, they don't fully understand the nature and character of God. I truly believe that. I agree. Because when you see what kind of a God he is, when you see his loving nature, when you see his character, when you see what he wants to do for his children, how could you not understand that he desires to bless his children?
0: That's
1: right. Desires to bless. And I know there's many of you that are believing for financial increase. You're believing this will be the greatest year you've ever had. And I'm with you. I'm absolutely with you. That's what we're declaring. It's a year of divine possession. It's a year of ownership. Yes. This is our year to have what God said is ours. And I want Preston to pray for those of you that are watching, those that are listening on the podcast, and believe God that March <clears throat> is our month of miracles, that we're going to see God do things that he's never done before.
0: Yes, In Father, name. we thank you that this month shall be a month of miracles. Father, I thank you for financial miracles. I thank you for property coming into the hands of the people of God. I thank you, Father, that we shall not go without any good thing in this month and in this year. In the mighty name of Jesus. Father, I thank you that your word says we're blessed. I thank you that we're doing the corresponding actions to ensure that we're in that system of blessing. I thank you we shall not go without in the mighty name of Jesus. I thank you that we'll always be on top and never beneath. I thank you that we'll increase every single day until Jesus returns. I thank you that no evil thing, no political leader, no world event, No financial collapse in the U.S. or any other nation shall withhold the blessing from your people. I thank you that we operate by a better system. I thank you that we have a better promise. I thank you that we shall be blessed in the month of March and throughout the rest of this year. In the mighty name of Jesus, may it be a year of divine possession, a year of ownership, a year where we've seen things we've never seen. And may we partake of things we never thought imaginable. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray it now over your people. Amen. 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 Remember what I've taught you. The key for
1: walking in divine overflow. These things are never random. No. That's, they're never random. As pa- Preston was, was saying that today, we realize that giving is a system That's it's not for God. God set it up for me. Yes. He set it up for me. My benefit. I've been blown away to see what God has done over these last, I told you before, if I could, if if you'd have gone back five years ago and told me and Carolyn where the ministry would be today, it would have been so mind-blowing to us five years ago. We'd have never, we'd have just sat back and like wide-eyed and laughed. Because to try to explain how God was going to do things that swiftly, even three years ago, mind-blowing. But we had made up in our minds. And that's what I've always tried to teach you. That's why we have the hashtag we do kingdom slice. We know that when we put God first, he puts us first, knowing that the system it's set up for us, not for him. And that's why we're, we're believing in our hearts. This will be the year he puts the largest seeds in our hands. You, so many people have had that same prayer request, that same prayer point. He's going to put the largest seeds in our hand that we've ever had before. Yes. And so I want to encourage you, this is your year. If you've never taken that step of faith to partner with us, to stand with us. This is the year. Maybe the Lord is directing you to sow a large seed like you've never sown before. Let this be a day that you step out by faith and say, Lord, I'm going to go to another level in my sowing because I'm ready for another level in my receiving, in my harvest level. And that's what I found out. That introspection is important. If you ever get to the place, this is just a, a pro giving tip. If you ever get to the place where you start realizing that your seeds don't feel hard anymore. Like they used to, that's when it's time to level up your seeds. Mm. If you get the place like, you know what, man, I've been given a $500 offering. So often $500 doesn't seem hard anymore. I'm going to a thousand. If if, if you've been at a thousand, you say, it doesn't seem hard anymore. I'm going to 2,500, whatever it might be. You have to keep an eye on that because if not you plateau in your harvest, you plateau in your blessing. Mm-hmm. And there's never ending increase available in God. It just stay, we have to stay introspective and say, Lord, is this thing still taking faith? And so the Lord's gonna to speak to you today, Lord, we thank you for your divine instructions. Yes, We thank you that you're speaking to your people. Every one of us is going to be abundantly blessed. We know it, this is our year, that we're taking hold of what you said is ours. This is our year that we're gonna do what we've never done, go where we've never gone, have what we've never had. In Jesus' name, this is our year, and we thank you for it. Now give every one of us an instruction, and we will obey it. In Jesus' mighty name, name. amen. Amen. Listen, for those that are partnering this month, we have a a book that we want to give to you as our gift to you in the month of March, I Believe in Visions by Kenneth Hagin. This is not only just a a really faith-building book, the stories that are inside it. You'll never forget them. This was one of my favorite books that we were given when I went to Bible school and it will build your faith to another level. For those that are standing at $250 or more, we're gonna also include The Miracle of the Scarlet Thread. This is one of the most revelatory books that I've read in that it traces the gospel message from Genesis all the way through to Revelation. Shows you that scarlet thread of the gospel uh, as you go through the stories of the Bible. I mean, you go through everything from, from Noah and the ark You go to the scarlet cord that was hanging down out of the window of the wall of Jericho. Mm -hmm. It goes through all of it. It's so powerful. And uh, it'll open your eyes to some really amazing redemption truths. And then, of course, for those that are sowing $1,000 or more, we're including the Net Study Bible, 60,000 Translators Notes. If you'd like to receive any of these as you've sown your seed, go to miracleword.com forward slash partner, or excuse me, forward slash offer. And uh, you'll be able to fill out the form. Let us know where to send it. And uh, we'll get it to you ASAP. Mm-hmm. I love you guys a lot. A big yeah. thank you to my cousin Preston once again for being on the broadcast. Yeah. And uh, if you'd like to find out more about his ministry, and I encourage you to do so, um, I want you to go to his website, PrestonShuttlesworth.com. And um, check out the audio podcast as well. It's available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and, uh, uh, Google, Google Podcasts, what's one? Stitcher, Stitcher. Yeah. Stitcher. You can listen to it on his MySpace page. <laughs> right. uh, if you'd like to fax him, he'll fax you an episode of the podcast That's back. Right. Absolutely. Um, but listen to it. Build your faith. And uh, I'm telling you, any of the, any of you that are watching that are pastors, I would highly encourage you to uh, get in touch with his ministry and have him come speak. Uh, I gave his information yesterday to three different pastors, uh, encouraging them to have him come and speak uh, and hold revivals of the church. Powerful preacher. And uh, thank you for being on the broadcast.
0: Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I love the Victory Tribe. It was a lot of fun. Thank you for being kind and receiving. And it was it was great. Florida is also not a bad place to come and visit. So
1: That's true. It was a lot of fun. It's a wonderful place to be. <laughs> if anybody wants to just uproot and move uh, and be in the actual studio with us every morning, we would love to. Have I live you. in the. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> we love you guys, man. Have a great, great, uh, powerful day. I'll see you again in the morning. Talk to you soon. Later.